Thank you, Tony. Try to embarrass me a little bit. <laughs> See? So I'm talking about church is more than singing. Um, so I know you've been going through a series, tackling each different themes around church is more than. Uh, so today is church is more than singing. So Tony's already introduced me. I'm not actual Arsenal fan anymore. I don't actually like football <laughs> anymore. Um, my wife is a great football fan. So um, yeah, that's that bit. So yeah, I've been here since I was 18, um, going on 34. Um, and yes, as Tony said, I'm married to Lizzie Blake and we have two young children. So sticking with the theme of singing, um, in our household, we love to sing songs all the time. And just two examples of this is, we have a song for brushing our teeth, and it's great. But I won't do it, I won't do it now, I'll do a rendition later. <laughs> and then there's a second one, which is sung by a littlest uh, child, which is a two-year-old, um, is, which is, I'm so hungry, again, I'm so hungry, again. And it's just like, you know, they just love to sing, and that's how we are. But anyway, church is more than singing. So this talk is split into two sections. We're going to talk about the truths of singing praises and exploring what Romans 12.1 can teach us on God's mercy and everyday worship. I'm just going to read out a few of these statements. Just listen, listen to this. This is based on singing. Sometimes it makes me feel joyful. Sometimes it makes me feel excited. Sometimes it makes me feel sad. These are the answers from my six-year-old son when I asked him about how singing makes him feel. And I'm just going to play the soundtrack to you. It's the lyrics to We Shall Overcome, which is a powerful black civil rights protest song from the 1950s. Just going to play it for you, then we'll talk about it a little, a little bit. We shall overcome, we shall overcome, we shall overcome someday, oh Lord, deep in my heart, I, I do believe that we shall overcome someday. So that song is a song that expressed the racial oppression and discrimination against black people in America in the 1950s. Although we've come a long way, that song is still relevant today. This song brought thousands of people together in unity. 
The raw emotions felt by black people were cried out and echoed around the world. There's two ladies from the Lighthouse congregation who grew up singing that song. And when they listened to this talk previously, what I did it the other week, um, it, said it, brings eye, it brings tears to their eyes still. Within church, singing can bring us together for a common purpose, to jointly cry out our praises to God. Singing expresses what is on our hearts, whether that's expressing a deep sadness, a rallying call to stand up against injustice, or a joyful proclamation of God's love and mercy. Matthew 12, 34 to 35 says this, For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of God stored up in him, and the evil man brings, up, brings all things... Sorry, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. The key thing is this, is that for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Singing is one of the acts of worship to God our Father. It's one of the ways we can express and thank him and glorify him with our mouths. So when we don't sing, it's a method of praise to God that doesn't happen, that doesn't take place. Not being allowed to sing in church during the height of the pandemic massively impacted the way I worshipped and praised God. How did not singing in church affect you at the time? For me, it was a moment where I nearly rebelled against government's interference in our church lives. I contemplated singing outdoors in the cold just so I could sing during the service. Why did some of us feel that way? Singing praises to God isn't holy karaoke. <laughs> it's not an expensive add-on to us church services, you know, with all the instruments, all the equipment, the PA system. It is a heartfelt spiritual connection between a Christian believer to God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There was a time when um, I went to South Africa in 13, yay, <laughs> uh, 13 years ago, I think it was, it's where I met my wife, actually she's from here, but basically we went on a mission trip there, and that's when Lizzie, my wife, uh, discovered I was single. But <laughs> it's not the point of this story though. So when we were there, we were staying, um, we went to a church, and we were staying with a pastor who's from Indian heritage, and I remember, so I grew up in Tower Hamlets, um, so you know the third of the population are Bengali backgrounds, um, Saleti. Um, and so I remember being in church, and there were people worshipping together. I was there of Indian heritage wearing a sari. And for me, that spoke so powerfully to me, because in Tower Hamlets, like people as diverse as we are, as a borough, we're quite segregated. And that spoke powerfully to so we have someone in a sari singing praises to God next to me. That was an amazing thing. I love the fact that at our church we have different styles of worship. So some of the pops will struggle to categorise us because we're so different, I would say. <laughs> our praise and worship at THCC is a beautiful fusion and expression of our multicultural church. The Bible is full of many examples in both the Old Testament and the New Testament of people singing praises to God. 
And lots of these take the form of a hymn. And so the definition or description of a hymn is an old school song sung by grey-haired Christians or remixes by trendy Christian bands. No, hymns are poetic words sung to praise God. Hymns are poetic words sung to praise God. In the New Testament, these are sometimes called doxologies, which means glory sayings. And the amount of times I've skipped over glory sayings tends to come up like at the end in Paul's letters, but they are um, a very important part of scripture. And here's an example of a hymn song from the Old Testament, Exodus 15. I'm not going to sing it, I'm just going to read it. <laughs> the Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver has been hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God. I will praise him, my father's God, and I will exalt him. And the song continues. This song is a response to God after the dramatic escape from Pharaoh and his army, in which God displayed his great power by parting the river Nile to allow the Israelites to cross and escape captivity. And now here's an example of a song by Mary, the mother of Jesus. This song is her response after being told by an angel that she will give birth to the Son of God. This is Luke 1, 46-50. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. The song continues. Again, these are words which, are heart, which is a heartfelt response to God's love and mercy. Moses, Miriam, Joseph's mother recognized God was at work. They recognized God's power, his mercy and love, and responded by praising him. Do you struggle to praise God through song or with words? Are you expressively constipated? Here are the few things you can help when you struggle to give God praise. Remembering God's promises, reminding ourselves of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for us, to save us from the punishment of sin, to bring us back into relationship with God. Looking at God's creation, many times you just go for a walk, you just look up, just reflect on God's creation. Praying and singing in tongues, reading the Psalms can help you reflect on the character of God. Praising God for what he has done for your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. In our church, we make time and effort to offer God our extravagant praise. And I just want to thank the worship team who sacrificed time and time again, you know, practicing in the week, um, come up with songs, and, and serving us here. So I just want to thank them for that. We rock up on Sundays and sing songs written by someone we don't know. There's nothing wrong with that. But... Would it not be amazing to be singing a song or a hymn glorifying our Lord Jesus that's written by one of you? And that is sung, and that song is sung by the next generations to come. 
You know, reignite our imagination in praising God. Sing to the Lord a new song. This isn't fluffy, sentimental stuff. It is an act of worship. I pray that the Holy Spirit will release a new passion and desire to praise God from your hearts. May the Holy Spirit open your eyes to the work Jesus is doing in your life. I pray that some of you will be anointed by the Holy Spirit to sing, to write songs, hymns, and poetry in praise of God. So we've talked about singing and how that is part of our worship and thankfulness to God. But let's not make sure that our view of worship is too narrow. Worship includes what we sing, but goes far deeper than that to the lives that we live every day. So now we're going to focus on Romans 12.1 and what we can learn from that in God, about God's mercy, show mercy to others and worship. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So let's give you some context around um, the Apostle Paul who wrote this. So Romans is one of the many letters written by the Apostle Paul. Paul was writing to a church in Rome which had Jewish and Gentile Christian believers. This created tension between the two different cultures. The letter is centered around doctrinal and practical matters. So Romans 12.1 comes after a long discourse from chapters 1 to 11, where Paul discusses righteousness by faith, the power of salvation, and God's promises to the people of Israel. And this is what that therefore statement at the beginning of this scripture is anchored on. So you really need to dive into those chapters to fully appreciate this statement. So let's have a look. Paul uses the phrase, I urge you, I beg you. Very rarely do I hear someone use that, the word urge or beg. It's kind of reserved for those desperate or serious scenarios. For example, I urge you, don't serve us instant coffee. Amen? <laughs> I beg you, take that nappy outside. <laughs> Be more serious. I urge you, brother, to take care crossing that busy road. I beg you, sister, don't isolate yourself from others when things get difficult. My point is this. Paul is really stressing the importance of the instruction to come. And then we look at in view of God's mercy. The Greek for mercy here is plural, so it's God's mercies, in view of God's mercies. Mercy can be described as withholding judgment or punishment to those who deserve it and entwined with forgiveness, grace, and compassion. Your understanding and experience of God's mercies and compassion will impact on how you worship and serve others. So here, Paul outlines aspects of God's mercy in the previous three chapters, so that's 9 to 11, as well as expressing his frustration at how the people of Israel despised God's blessing, despised their special heritage, and despised the promises of God. The main thing that really stood out to me when looking at these three chapters that Romans 12, 1 is anchored on 
It's this verse quoted from the Old Testament. Romans 9, 15. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. That's God speaking here. God is sovereign. The phrase, the sovereign Lord, appears around 289 times in the Bible. So it's hard to miss that truth. And it's a basic truth as well. But sometimes that truth can be a little distant in our day-to-day until we're in a, a dire situation, a desperate situation, and we cry out to God. And I remember crying out to God for his mercy over a job situation. It might sound trivial, but it had quite a, an impact on me when I was searching for a job change. Like My life group, my Bible study group would know this, would understand this as well. Of like it was, it's a long time in the making. Basically, from December, I believe God spoke to me about my educational gap. Um, and long story short, August came and I was just like, "What's going on? What's going on?" But despite that, I held on to God's promises, trusting in His character. And when that door opened, I couldn't help but praise God aloud for His mercy and His and His provision. Because God is sovereign, he doesn't always respond how and when we want him to. And this can feel incredibly and deeply painful. Psalm 69, it's not going to come up on the screen, so just have a listen. Psalm 69 expresses David's pain of crying out to God, but also how David manages to praise God regardless. Psalm 69 says this, I'm just going to... I jump a few verses. So verse one. Save me, O God, for the waters have come to my neck. I sink in miry depths where there is no foothold. I have come into the deep waters. The floods engulf me. I am worn out calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fail looking for my God. Verse 16. Answer me, Lord, out of the goodness of your love. In your great mercy, turn to me. Do not hide your face from your servant. Answer me quickly, for I am in trouble. Come near and rescue me. Deliver me because of my foes. Then I jump to 30. I will praise God's God's name in song and glorify him in thanksgiving. So David was being chased down by Saul, um, who wanted to kill him. Um, and I think this is linked to that as well. Remember this, God is rich in mercy, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God's acts of mercy in our everyday lives isn't simple to summarize or comprehend. And Paul aptly describes this in a doxology, glory saying, just before Romans 12. So we just add to these. Romans 11, 33 to 36. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his past beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counsellor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. 
To him be the glory forever. Amen. So now we're going to look at the last section of this, this verse. To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Some translations will say reasonable act of worship at the end. So, offering our bodies as a living sacrifice can be described as living our lives for God, to serve and glorify him in everything that we do. Glorify him in our conversations, in our behaviours, in the way we do our jobs, in the way we treat people. Living our lives for God in worship involves submitting our hearts to God's will, following Jesus' commands and walking by the Spirit of God on a daily basis. This may involve changing or giving up a certain lifestyle or activity. You know, and this challenged me. So, how long ago now? Maybe 12 years ago, I used to do jiu-jitsu. Um, and, yes, yeah, so I can throw you on the floor quite hard. Um, <laughs> and so, but when you train to do in jiu-jitsu, you I didn't need to be training three days a week to, to be really good. Um, and so I was training. But one of those days was life group. It was a Bible study group. And I'm like, do I be a better fighter or do I spend time with my Christian family? What did I choose? <laughs> so it was a challenge for me. So I, had, I gave that up. I didn't give up jiu-jitsu at the time, but I gave up that particular day to spend time seeking God's with fellow believers. I don't know what it is for you, what the challenge is there, or no other things that you need to give up in your lifestyle or activities to worship God, in your worship of God. And remember the greatest commandments, to love God with all of your hearts, all of your might, all of our minds, and all of our strength, and love our neighbours as ourselves. Our desire to glorify and worship God affects the decisions we make, our behaviour and attitude towards others. So we're going to briefly look at showing mercy towards others. So as a church, we ought to demonstrate love and mercy to one another and those in our community. Isaiah 58 challenges the hearers at the time who are undergoing a a period of fasting, but with a wrong attitude of the heart. In fact, they were arguing and having fistfights instead of, you know, worshipping the Lord and fasting. But this scripture communicates God's desire for us to practically care for the needy and and the need to have a right heart attitude. So Isaiah 58, this is the New Living Translation. Um, It won't come up on the screen, I've got it down here. Only. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarrelling? This kind of fasting is never get, will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like reeds bending in the wind. You dressed in burlap and cover yourselves with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? Do you really think this will please the Lord? No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry. 
Give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. And do not hide from relatives who need your help. God wants us to extend his love, compassion, and mercy to those around us, especially those who are in need. And you know, one of the opportunities here is to serve in the Grove Night Shelter. It's a partnership of churches in Tower Hamlets, pioneered by people from THCC, opening our doors to provide shelter for the homeless during the colder months, providing friendship, support, food, and shelter, and telling them the good news of Jesus. So in closing, just the things to go over, um, singing praises. So around that, I encourage you to, you know, try writing a short hymn, a song in, in praise to God. It's, we've discussed it here, it's a way of expressing, because sometimes we, we don't express much, do we? But it's, it's, it's a method, it's a mode. Um, and who knows, you know, it's something that could be sung here on a Sunday. Inquire about joining the praise and worship team. Things to reflect on. Are there lifestyle choices or behaviours that you need to change? Consider signing up to, to the Grove Night Shelter to show mercy to those, those, those who need it. Extending Christ's love. Okay, I'm going to pray. Father God, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you that we have the freedom to come into a church building and worship you and sing praises to you. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to those or confirm things that you've already been doing in the hearts around singing praises, worship. Um, I pray that you anoint individuals, Father God, to, to bring those songs, Lord. Songs that can be sung from generations and generations to come, Lord. Help us to be expectant, Father God, of you to do things. To not limit ourselves, Lord God. Pray against any fear that is there, Father God. Any anxiety around that, Lord. We thank you for the mercy that you've shown us. I pray where we don't extend that mercy to others, Lord, that you challenge us, Lord. And we know that worship is beyond just singing. That is our daily lives. I pray, Father God, is anything that's in us, Father God, that your Holy Spirit would search and bring that to the forefront and that we give it to you. That we sacrifice certain things, that we give up certain things, Lord, in honour to you. Help us to be discerning of what we do in glory to you, Father. And thank you that you do bring joy, Lord God, despite... Um, <laughs> The situations, Lord, that we were in. Thank you for the word that, that Martin brought on earlier on, Father God, of that we're worshipping and praising you regardless of our situation, Lord God. Thank you for Anne Penman, the way that she spoke, Father God, that how you spoke to her through a hymn, Father God, and through a song, Lord. We praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>